0: MyMac Podcast 284, A New Hope. You're listening to the MyMac Podcast with your host, Guy Searle. Three,
1: two, Hi, everyone. Guy Searle with the MyMac.com Podcast. Uh, it's uh, number 284, and uh, this is the first one where I'm I'm flying solo, but I'm not really quite solo. I've, I've got a little bit of help here tonight. Uh, first off, I want to start off with uh, Owen Rubin. Owen, how the heck are you tonight?
2: Hi, Guy. I'm fine. I'm putting my parachute on
1: right now, so you may be... <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's probably not a bad idea. You know? Bail out! Bail out! <laughs> And we also have Mark Rudd. Hey, Mark.
3: Hey, hey, everybody. It's uh, great to be back with you, Guy, and uh, new beginnings and all that kind of stuff. Uh, hadn't been that long since we saw you and Owen over at uh, Macworld, so it's good to talk to everybody.
1: Yeah, speaking of Macworld, now, Owen, you were I saw an email earlier where uh, you were saying you'd gone to a, another show at the Moscone Center.
2: Yeah, the RSA, the security show, runs shortly after Macworld, and it was in the same building, although across the street,
1: but in Moscone. Okay, uh-huh. so it was in Moscone South, which My, is where Moscone South, right? Yeah, where they used to have like you know all the the big booths.
2: Yeah, in the north Mac side, World. they put all their keynote speakers, so they used that as a big auditorium, which I thought was kind of odd, but
3: mm, exactly. All
1: right, well, you know, I don't want to I don't want to get too far off the field talking about MacWorld, but you both were there, you saw the crowds, and you saw all the booths that were there, and I don't know if either one of you saw there was there were quite a few uh, vendors that kind of set up. Just outside the entry door to kind of show off some products that you know, I, I guess they felt that uh you know, Macworld was gonna die, so they weren't gonna go ahead and sign up and then saw the crowds and regretted it. <laughs> exactly. So what what do you guys think is gonna come up next year?
3: Well, from my perspective, I mean I I've heard a number of pundits, you know, bemoan that there wasn't well, one particularly, we won't mention any names, that said that it took him only a half an hour to walk the uh the show floor and and, and I just dis- totally disagree with that i I feel like it was uh, very uh, well populated with lots of vendors and and uh, you know you could take your time and walk through all of the the little smaller app booths and then go into the larger area and I, I thought it was it was distilled down of course, but um, I thought it was spaced out nicely and it took me a while to walk through there and, and see the things and, and and I thought it was a great attendance. This year. So I'm looking forward to uh, next year. And I think uh, Paul and the group over there did a great job.
1: Well, do you think now, now you guys saw Tiny Town, I guess they're calling it, where all, you know, the, a lot of the, the smaller developers were set up. And they did something this year that, that I, I've never seen before. They actually had like four different developers at each one of these little tables. Did you guys see that? I saw it from the outside,
2: but I couldn't get near it. Yeah, so I mean there packed. were just
1: so many people there. Now I, I I don't know what kind of setup or, you know, how much IDG or you know was charging for this, but based on just the the sheer volume of people there, I, I can't imagine that that anyone who signed up for it was disappointed.
3: Well, from what I can discern after the show, it looks like IDG just kind of at the end kind of made that room for them and I and I believe I've heard it announced that uh, they were charged like twelve hundred dollars, and then they got to be part of one of those tables. And you know, I think the best of show came out from there as well. Uh, it
2: did one of the best shows.
3: It did, yeah, yeah one, one, of of be- one of the best of show. And uh, there seems to be a lot of buzz about everything that was taking place with there. So it sounds like it was a resounding success.
2: I, so I would say it was a success from that point of view, but I thought it was a dismal failure from the way it was set up because I couldn't, first of all, they had, the tables were smaller than two people would eat at it in a restaurant, that little tiny round table. Right. And yeah. the popular guys tended to push the unpopular guys sort of into a corner of the table, but mm-hmm. they didn't separate them far enough. So that if you were talk, talking to one person, you were back to back with the person at the table, looking at the yeah. one next to you. And I think given that they had extra room, they could have spread them out a little further and made the tables a little
1: larger. Um, well, do you think they'll do this again next year? Yeah, absolutely. If they're smart, from, they will.
2: Yeah, from a, from a from a let's see little things that could never afford to buy a booth. Right. You know, they always had those I don't forget what they call it, Mark, maybe you remember the name, the area with the little square booths that have the, the name on kiosks. Top, kiosks. The
1: kiosks. They've yeah,
2: always well, they had were there, those. They
1: were there this year too. Right. But that was and, like on the other side of the main stage. Right. But
2: they're a bit more expensive, and so it, it Given the number of iPhone developers that are individuals, they can't really afford one of those. So no. the fact that they could uh, buy this little table space and get themselves shown, I thought was a great idea.
3: If they could improve the logistics of it so that the the flow of people getting in there, because there was a real high density of people. Uh, walking oh, yeah. through. So okay.
1: Well, now let, let's let's keep in mind as well that quite a few of the, the vendors that showed up signed up literally at the last minute. Yeah. I mean that you know Paul Kent was telling me that. You know, a, a good portion of the vendors that showed up for MacWorld were like in the last few weeks before the show opened up, and you know, from from what you were telling me about the RSA uh, conference, Owen, it's it sounds like you know some of these vendors didn't even have time to get their their main booths there. Oh,
2: yeah, I, well, no that not exactly. That, that looked like that one of the reasons they may not have been in Macworld is because they may have been setting up for other shows. Some of the same vendors were at RSA, but with much bigger booths than they had at Macworld.
1: Okay, uh-huh. well, no, that, that's what I mean. I mean yeah. they, they didn't have their main booths there at Macworld to, to set up. So do you think that 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 was a, a combination of you know, maybe they weren't quite prepared, you know, still setting up for RSA? No. Or they didn't anticipate that, that Macworld was going to be as big of a deal as it turned out to be or what?
2: No, I've worked for too many companies like that. The booth, the booths are made well in advance and stuffed in storage somewhere, and they just ship them to the show they're going to. So given that RSA was so close, they could have easily had it there. I think, I, I think a lot of people and, – and I put a list in my report of the vendors I thought were missing, and I talked to another one today – um talked to Lae today, who basically said they didn't know what to expect, so they decided to put their money into shows elsewhere
1: elsewhere., mm-hmm. right? okay, so and, you fig- but w- what what do you think the prospects are for next year?
2: Um, talking to the big I talked to Microsoft, I talked to IBM, I talked to HP, I talked to several other booth guys who said sort of unofficially that they've signed up for the next three years already. So they, really? they, expect to, yeah, they expect to support it. Um, I was looking at I, trying to look at IDG numbers. They had a pre-enrollment of over 30,000 this year, mm-hmm. which is right. as big or bigger than, than uh, 2009. Right. So the numbers were not bad at all. They had 300 companies, but I think they count those little guys sign up by January 11th. So they had a fairly good number even the beginning. So I expect it will be bigger again next year. And given what they really need to do is they need to talk to Moscone and let them spread out a little bit. Uh I'm surprised. Well, now there, was, there, was a
1: big, there was a big part of the North Hall that that I mean they, they had just kind of sectioned off that they right. weren't even using. They pay uh, by states, remember. Yeah. Well do you think that could have also been, you know, to, to try to make the crowds look bigger?
2: Um of course you do that to keep things pushed together, right? So that you don't look like you're a big empty hall. I'm, uh, I'm still amazed, Mark. You said someone walked it in 30 minutes. In right. the times I walked the floor. No, we can say had,
1: John, John Dvorak and I think both John Dvorak and Leo. And, and Leo Laporte both said they walked it in 30 minutes. I, and I don't know. They must have done unusual. it
2: at at, a, at 530 then because uh, I tried to walk the show floor and just stopping and looking at things briefly – it took over an hour and a half to walk the floor, just getting by people,
3: and that's not yeah. and that's not seeing everything. So I wasn't seeing if you're everything. Just, yeah, if you're just browsing it or walking along the ends of the aisle, yeah, maybe you could do that. But with the crowd, and I think this kind of speaks to you know the experiment that was this year, which will be a great deal more focused next year, which is we really wanted to focus on the Mac community this year, and I think they successfully did that. But but now realizing the small vendors and developers that will be there, I think a lot more attention will be paid. Uh, by uh, IDG in making sure that the experience of the smaller developers, because that's where everybody wanted to wanted to get yep. to, wanted to see yep. they'll they'll open that up logistically and it'll be a great experience and you know kind of it'll be proportioned more properly.
1: Well, that yep. would be. Not, I mean, we really don't know what IDG, IDG is going to do, and we you don't. know, as far as what kind of layout they're going to have, but when we're talking about you know the the little area where they had they had four developers right. per table. Um, if there are smaller developers that want to c- continue to do that, I imagine IDG will accommodate them. But I'm wondering how many of those small developers, especially with the, with the iPad coming out, are are going to be looking at moving up to a kiosk, if not a bigger booth. Depends right? on how well they do, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and how, affordable, back, how affordable it how is. Affordable you know, they it is.
3: made it really affordable. $1,200, You know, uh, it, it may seem like a lot to, to a lot of people, but in the process of developing... You know, an app for the iPhone. Uh, right. Well,
1: if you're talking, if you're talking about marketing, I mean, that's that's really just a, a drop in the bucket. That's nothing. Right. Right. Twelve hundred dollars and a hotel can, room for a couple of nights. Especially since right. you can sell at
2: this show. A lot of shows don't allow direct selling, but well, I you, a, have, I you have you have to be things. careful
1: with that in California. Mm-hmm. Right. Because if if th- if they come down on you, essentially they say, you know, all of your internet sales we can tax for I think up to a year. Is that the way yeah. that works? Something like that. Yeah, and I think that's why quite a few of, you know, like Dr. Bot wasn't selling anything this year. OWC wasn't OWC selling. OWC wasn't selling it. And speaking of OWC, where we? Uh, <laughs> yeah, we oh, you you brought him up, Owen. You brought him up. <laughs> uh, OWC is the uh the sponsor for this podcast and we're going to we're going to break away in, in just a minute to uh to let Tim tell us about the the fine folks and great products that OWC have. But uh, the, the one thing I wanted to mention about the company before we start, and I think you each have, have something to say along these lines as well, is just how great you – know, you, you can buy hard drives and memory and you know whatnot for your computer from almost anyone. The difference is what happens after the sale. Does the company back up what they sell with a guarantee and good tech support? And if there's one thing that OWC does just as well, if not better than anybody else in the industry, is service after the sale. All
3: right. Oh, absolutely. And and uh, what they do as well, if not even better, is the assistance pre-sale. And that's kind of a, 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 an experiment, or an experience. Excuse me, that I had with a friend of mine who has an old PowerBook G4, 14 inch, battery's dead. And she needed to be able to um, begin to to use that thing and and move around with it and whatnot. So I sent her over to OWC. They were very helpful. They helped her figure out what battery she needed and uh, were were very personable. And, uh, you know, less than a week later, there it is in her hands, in her computer, and she is a happy camper. So very impressed with OWC. She was a novice. She doesn't know anything. They walked her through very uh, slowly and uh, methodically, and she's very happy.
1: Yeah, you said uh, that was a you said that was a, uh, a PowerBook G4. Yeah,
3: a, a PowerBook, an, an iBook. Excuse me, an iBook G4. Oh, 14 inch. No, no, yeah, I,
1: I, iBook. Okay, iBook iBook G4. Now yeah. that's going back. That's going back like exactly what five six years.
3: Yeah, four or five something, years, something like that. Four uh, or five two,
1: years. Two thousand four. Who's even? Who's even? Mm. Who's even still stocking batteries for laptops that old? You're not going to find it, f- you know, for Dells or HPs or anything like that. Oh, well, I'm going to go a step. Or, or if further. you are. You're gonna you're gonna pay a huge premium
2: exactly. for it.
3: Exactly. And she I'm was going very to happy further. with further price as well.
2: I still use a G three. It, it runs <laughs> some home auto, it runs some home automation stuff. It sits in a closet and runs X ten lighting and it needs a battery. And I'm just looking up there on the O W C website right now and there are two different batteries for it. Now that machine's probably twelve years
1: old. <laughs> is it is it at least white or is it one of the? Uh, no, it was a Wall Street, the black one, the 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 black. Oh 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 white. yeah, that's that's oh, the two thirty three. That's a two thirty three yeah. megahertz. Mm-hmm. It's running yeah. OS
2: ten. It's running a version of OS ten, even though they said it couldn't. It does, and it runs my house lighting for me. So. Wow, that's amazing. But I, the comment I make about OWC is, and I
3: You're such a geek, Owen. I am a geek.
2: I can't help it. I, so where I'm sitting right now, there's one, two, three, four, five, there's six computers sitting around me, and sadly they're all on. Seven, sorry, I forgot the Linux machine.
1: Yeah, so. no, yeah, it's, it's no wonder you don't have any bandwidth, though, and you're using them all up on all those other machines. But I was going to comment, Mark, I agree with you, pre and post. We have some friends, they
2: call, like, like probably every one of you, and most of you listening, your friends call you and go, my computer's doing this, my computer's doing that, how do I fix it? And these friends called me, and, and we went over to their house, and they had a G4 laptop, like you're talking about, and then a white one, an I, uh, a MacBook with an iBook. Mm-hmm. And I looked at them, and they had a half a gig of memory in them. There was wow. no, not much memory, and they were running OS X. And they, and they said, oh, it's really slow. It takes forever to boot. And I said, well, you don't have enough memory. You need to upgrade the memory. They were terrified. Neither one of them were really technical people. And I said, here, and I went to MacSales.com. I showed like them. I said, uh, call them if you're uncomfortable or look through this this online help, it'll tell you which memory.
1: So about That you need for it, right. About exactly. a week and
2: a half later, I get a phone call from them saying, oh, my God, our computers are running so fast. We put the memory in ourselves. We did it. Everything we got was so helpful. So here's tech, non-tech people that were just blown away by how easy it was to follow. And yeah, now, with and some not only stuff, that,
1: but they, they include, they, they have like installation videos for, for yep. quite a few of these machines yep. if you're not quite sure how to do it. Yep.
3: Yeah, they, they, soup to nuts. You're not yeah, going to get I, any better service pre or post. Uh,
1: than OWC. yeah, that's uh, maxsales.com and we're at this moment we're going to take a little break and uh, we'll let we'll let Tim talk about OWC for a while. How about that?
0: Hey guys, thanks a lot Tim Robertson for OWC, Other World Computing. You can find us at maxsales.com. Really cool today we released a new product. It's the newer tech mini display port to HDMI stereo Adapter. That's right. It's one port, one adapter, so you can run both audio and video to your television with, that's right, one adapter, going from your Mac, say a Mac Mini, to your HDMI television HD at full 1080p resolution. It's really really cool. It's only 49.99. You can check it out at www.macsales.com. And while you're doing some Really cool browsing online. Make sure you check out OWCRadio.com. Our latest is an interview with Chuck Joyner from Mac Voices. That's OWC Radio number 18. You could find that in iTunes or at www.OWCRadio.com. Thanks a lot, guys.
1: And we're back to the mymac.com podcast. Thanks, Tim. I'm still here with uh, with Owen Rubin and Mark Rudd. And uh, the first topic I wanted to talk about I mean, we spent all 15, 20 minutes or whatever on uh, Macworld. so I, I guess we should kind of kind of go on to something else. And, and Tim is going to hate that I just said that, but he'll have to deal with it. Um, first The first topic I wanted to talk about was, you know, Apple just had a, a meeting of their board of directors. And all of the directors were, were voted in by the shareholders. So we don't have to worry about any changes in those lines, but depend. And you know, this kind of depends on whose, whose finances you believe, or whose, whose money trail you believe. But they're saying basically at this point that Apple is sitting on somewhere between 25 to 40 billion. That's with a B 25 to $40 billion in cash and assets. So depending
2: on how far it's spread out, they're sitting pretty high.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. No.
3: <laughs> Insert <laughs> Dr. Evil's little laugh there.
1: Now, now, what what do you guys think that Apple could spend some of this money on? What do you think, Mark?
3: Well, I uh, gave that a little bit of thought. And, uh, you know, if if I'm Apple, I'm kind of looking into the gaming environment. So, you know, if you consider that they have a solid – portable gaming platform and distribution system already in place this would seem to be a logical direction to expand it in my opinion you know maybe some in-house game development through acquisitions of some leading developers possibly
1: well, it, it would almost it would almost have to be through acquisitions yeah, since absolutely. you know I, i'm not aware i'm not aware of any big push within uh, apple's you know Various development platforms that that has almost anything to do with gaming they you know they mostly just put out what the AP uh, oh and you know more about this than i do they, I mean they mostly just put out the framework for people to create software and tell them to, to go at it right and right. and enough hardware support to make it
2: worthwhile i mean the the iPhone really didn't need the graphics system it has if gaming wasn't thought of as exactly. of you know, the design uses of it because it's really got a fairly decent uh graphic system
3: well i could know, have
2: been a very simple one you know.
3: What I'd like to see them do is, if they were going to go into that environment, maybe look at the development of an online component for the new gaming unit. You know, uh, seems like someone said something about a billion-dollar server farm in North Carolina. That could that could be oh, a pretty it's, good it's, backbone for that. You know,
1: I, I bet I bet they spent more than I mean, the, just the the building itself has over four hundred square feet, and you know, this is this is a new data center they're building in North Carolina. Um,
3: I could even see them maybe even developing a a home console. We've talked about this on the podcast before. You know, the expansion and development of maybe uh, some type of a console that would allow one to play, you know, the App Store games not only on the iPhone or the iPod Touch or the iPad, but on the uh, new, maybe Apple branded console with an online uh, multiplayer option as well. You know, the console could extend the whole Apple TV paradigm.
1: Well, do do you think, I mean, would. The, the hardware that's in the <clears> Apple TV. I don't own one. I don't know. Do either one of you guys own an Apple TV? No, I, I do don't. not. Ah, darn. Um, I was just wondering do you, if uh, it, would the hardware inside the Apple TV is it well? It, well, actually, it's strong enough to do at least 720p video. Right. So I imagine that you know whatever the hardware is inside of it would be able to do at least you know simple games along the lines of of what's available with either the iPhone or upcoming with the uh, with the yeah, iPad.
3: It, well, it has kinda, a
1: resolution to
3: do I'm that. I'm kinda thinking that they would develop a console that would that would include the Apple T V functionality but that would add the gaming component to it so that you would have a better interface at home. But then now you could take that on the road and play it on your iPhone or, or iPod Touch or your iPad and then add the online component to it. You know, you bring in some in house game development. I you know that's an area that they could throw some of that money at that I think they've they've got a pretty good base already established for.
1: Well, they could, but uh, you know, I, I I just can't see Apple going you know whole hog into gaming. I could see them partnering up with one of the, the major companies to try to entice them to port over some of their PC titles to OpenGL rather than you know the DirectX, which is what most of them are using now. Okay, sorry about that folks. Uh we had to stop and restart. We, you know, had the the, the Skype gods were unhappy with us. So, uh, you know, we we probably spent the last 10 15 minutes going, "Well, what are do we doing now? Do we do we restart? Do we do this? And you know, I I, I think we finally have it under control and uh we'll I, I think it's sunspot activity. Yeah, well, no, I think it's that the world is going to end in 2012. But what was on My my computer crashed. Mark had to reboot that.
2: You had to start your thing over.
1: It's like then, something you know, I had great like, big bro. huge boils come out on the top of my forehead, but that's neither here nor there. Now, what I was saying before before we had to stop was that you know I didn't think Apple was going to get whole hog into game development themselves, but would probably partner up with. Another company to maybe port some of their, you know, their Microsoft DirectX games or you know, games that relied on Microsoft's Direct X to OpenGL. And I think you had a comment, Mark.
3: Yeah, I, I definitely could see how they would uh, want to partner up. However, you know, Steve sometimes likes to kind of take things and have control over them. So, no. you know, I, I could see him uh, oh. throwing some of that forty bill. You know, and bringing some of those things in house, which would give him some control. But you know, I would really love to see them take this to the next step, and then go the extra step with maybe a console development that would be a you know Apple TV functionality with you know gaming, and you know kind of expand that whole paradigm. And you had a, you had kind of a take on that, Owen.
2: Yeah, I I, well, I was agreeing with you. I would love to see that device. Uh, Apple TV needs to be reinvented.
3: Yeah, uh, I would agree I, with that as well. I,
2: I, as you, a lot of people who know me, I'm a video guy. I love toys for my TV. I have more set tops than anybody, and I used to design them. And I don't own an Apple TV because I just think it's a half product. You know, yeah, it just you know, left that's, off. That's
1: been I've been saying that for a while. I know that both. Uh, well, Tim and David had had Apple TVs, and anytime we would get into a discussion about them, I would just kind of, you know, quietly turn away from the mic and, and have a have a tear slowly go down my throat.
3: Recuse yourself, exactly. Well, and you
2: know, to make it worse, a TiVo just announced they're going to have a new does everything box. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if they want to play in there, that that field. The box has to be a PVR. It has to be some kind of gaming device. At least play well, iPhone let's, and iPad games. I think we've well.
1: beaten games to death. I, I, you know, I right, honestly, no, I honestly don't think that that you know, that I think Apple looks at gaming as one of those. Hey, well, isn't it great we have games? But I really don't think that that's no the focus so me- of anything that apple is doing agreed
2: so we're not saying that we're saying the same thing i don't think it has to be a xbox or things like that it has to play the games that play on the the iphone or the ipad it has to play those applications Okay, so it has to have enough robustness to be able to play all those apps, whether they be games or whatever. It, it should have enhanced television. It should let me do video from everywhere, not just QuickTime, but I should be able to play AVIs off my Windows machine if that's what I have in my house. It needs to do more. And if not, they might as well just discontinue it because companies like TiVo are just going to come in and eat their lunch on that stuff.
1: Well, when I, now, we, were, we, we started off this conversation talking about this new data center that they're building, 400,000 square feet um you know getting getting away from the money that that apple has in the bank what is it that apple could could use all of this space for in this data center you know beyond games do you think that that you know they're they're possibly getting ready to throw some enhanced television or or movie movie content out there maybe even a subscription service if they store well, it themselves maybe what do you think, Mark?
3: Well, you know, I'm kind of thinking about the the bandwidth issue that, um, you know, Apple seems to be coming up against. I, I could definitely see them using this to expand that. Obviously, the acquisition of Lala Media, you know, who was famous for, you know, this kind of online subscription model. Obviously, there's something in their future in along this line. And it would seem to be that that uh, data center would give them the, the bandwidth to expand that as well as possibly an online gaming platform, as mentioned earlier, maybe. Well, it Take would the, certainly give them the storage room for it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, of course, maybe even a little beef up to iTunes, which, you know, has uh, some, some bandwidth issues, as we know right now. So cloud computing could also be something that they could be looking at in the future, particularly with the iPad coming online. Well so, I don't I, mean,
1: I don't think there's much doubt that that you know I mean they've had Mobile Me out for a while and you know they had a big splashy opening and right. then of course all the problems that came up with it just after right. it opened and you don't really hear a lot about it now.
3: Right. And it's it's that pay, you know, kind of model that they're using with it. Maybe they could add a little bit of the cloud computing options to the, you know, to the whole Mac experience without making it a a pay model. You know just to kind of uh you know allow some of the things that Google does with some of their services, so an expansion of some of those areas I think would be a great use of that that you know that extra kick that they're going to get from that big data center so it'll yeah be and and
1: and it doesn't hurt as well that uh you know they're going to add you know who knows how many hundreds of jobs in that center but right. now we we were talking about iTunes now. Mm-hmm. Something that happened uh, I guess about a week and a half or two weeks ago is that they announced Apple announced that they'd finally sold 10 billion songs, 10 billion songs on iTunes and yeah, uh, I knew it was a fad yeah yeah the winning song <laughs> uh, somewhat somewhat fitting you know Johnny Cash, the man in Black," it was uh, guess things happened that way that was the officially announced song and the person who bought that song received a 10 thousand dollar itunes gifts card gift card nice nice now talking about itunes uh now right now we've got we've got music we've got television we've got movies we've got you know applications for the iPod Touch and the iPhone and, and of course, upcoming the, I, the iPad. There's going to be books in it soon. I imagine that it's going, there's going to be newspapers and magazines mm-hmm. and, and, you know, quite a few other things that some have been announced, some haven't been announced. Right. Uh, what other directions do uh, do you think that Apple could grow iTunes, Mark?
3: Well, all those things are true and, and all of those directions, media, content, creation content organization within the library structure are all important but but can we talk about wireless syncing at some point here I mean <laughs> come on get, 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 throw us a bone Apple well
1: are, are you saying you know all the all the stuff that we buy on iTunes it wouldn't necessarily be resonant on our hard drives but but live on Apple's server and we we stream it to ourselves live
3: well I, I think there's definitely the possibility of a streaming you know an online streaming Component for the media, but i 'm talking about wireless syncing of our iTunes with our devices and not having to plug the stupid cable in you know they 've got bandwidth with with you know the n protocol yeah. and you know it, there are obviously many other devices um, that that do or that but a, yeah that well that yeah, but it just the, seems that they don 't want that
1: the problem the problem with using Bluetooth is it 's not nearly as fast as, as the yeah. kind of what you 're going to get out of the dock connector now. If they were going to add uh, Wi-Fi exactly. as, as a way to communicate back and forth with iTunes, uh, and you both probably would know more about this than I would, uh, which is going to be faster? Is it going to be Wi-Fi or is it going to be directly through the dock connector? And when you're talking about video, <laughs> isn't that going to make a big difference?
3: Well, I think it would have to be here's, – here's the way I would do it is I would make aspects of what I'm doing wirelessly selectable. So that you could do maybe your your song list and some things that you know might not take quite as much bandwidth or speed, and then you know sync the other things later if you want to plug in. But list, you know, how many of us just want to sync a playlist or or some simple stuff like that? You know, we could. You know, Apple is big on giving us some in terms of uh, you know configurability. Why not with wireless syncing? Well, what
2: do you I think, wonder. I, won- I wonder if it's not Apple's fault. I'm wondering if, you know. A lot of the restrictions that you get on Apple products are usually given because the media content owners require them,
1: Yeah, not because
2: Apple wants to. I mean, DRM was a perfect example that Apple fought like crazy for to get out of music eventually. It took a long time. And I'm just wondering, it's just sort of a pie-in-the-sky kind of idea that maybe there is a reason they want it physically connected to do that kind of syncing. Um, because they don't want you to be able to get at it from multiple machines, for example, or they want to make sure that it is is your device and you're not sharing your music with another device wirelessly. Now, granted, there are ways around to, to control that, but it's probably easier to get around. Well, yeah, but you're talking about wirelessly. Audio. I'm ta- well, I'm talking about audio
1: or video. I mean, well,
2: right as now as with video, the- you
1: you can't you can't take the video that you get from iTunes and legally play it on anything other than an iPod or an iPhone or right. the the five computers that that you tell iTunes, okay, these are the five computers that are legally allowed I, to access the content in my iTunes library.
2: I do not have a problem with that kind of restriction. Five is fairly generous. And yeah, well, I believe so too. Five, if you have more than five, maybe Apple should have a way that you can pay a license fee for additional devices some small amount. No, I mean just Mark's right. You know, let's – I'm, I've got my iPhone in my hand and, I, and a new song went on my machine at home. I go, hey, I really like to listen to that here. I forgot to sync it. Just be able to go get it. Right. Okay. But I right. think that there's all this concern with, well, does that make it easier to copy? And would people spoof this? And would they be able to. When you plug in physically with a cable, you're plugged in physically with a cable. I mean, Mark, I, I would say even before wireless syncing, I wanted to be able to sync with more than one Mac.
3: Yeah. I have two yeah, Macs that's a in limitation. my hand.
2: Mm-hmm. I have a Mac, two Macs in my house, and I always have to go to the one Mac I originally sank them, did the sync with, to move a m- song over.
1: It drives okay, me crazy. Well, now now we're back. You know, I I could make the same kind of complaint about the Apple TV. I can't use the Apple TV. You know, I, I've got I've got all of my content on an external drive that's connected up to my iMac, and I, and if I had an Apple TV, I can copy things from my iTunes library into the Apple TV and it'll play it whenever I want to. But if I don't have it resonant on my Apple TV and it's right. it's located on my computer and I want to play it, if I'm not running iTunes, yep. I can't access that content. That that's a built in limitation of the Apple TV and iTunes.
3: That, and there that's are just plenty the of that boxes has, that uh, don't have
2: that
1: limitation. All
3: right. And exactly. and, it, and it's a and it's a problem that's that could be solved by just allowing within a network, within a home network, you know, what they're trying to obviously mitigate against is, you know, that music leaving the, the area in which it was licensed. So Okay,
1: well, hold on, hold on. Now, is this, is this because of a restriction that Apple wants or is this a restriction that is sort of imposed on them Apple by the people it. that are the content copyright holders? Apple doesn't want it. Apple, would, you know, Apple wants you to have as
2: many devices as you want to have. I mean, Apple would be pleased to sell you two iPhones, a couple of iPod touches, and a pad, and a few computers, yeah. and have you listen to video. Why would they ever say no? You know, that's a restriction that was put on them by. I mean, I've been in the media business for a long time with you know digital television. I can tell you that all that stuff comes from the media companies. Right. That's not Apple deciding that at all. It just it's right. counterintuitive.
1: Okay, right? well, now, let me let me bring up something else. Now, there's been. Some complaints, and, and I can bear witness to this myself, that iTunes, especially since version uh, eight came out, not to mention version nine, is becoming more and more unresponsive. We're seeing the beach balls more often than not. Uh, I see it all the time now, I understand that iTunes, and, and I know i'm going to get this wrong, iTunes is still under uh, was, was still under the the carbon it's, it's, an, it's a carbon application, is that right Bye. Bye. Okay, now there's carbon. And there's Coco. Owen, oh, can you very, very quickly describe the difference between these two environments? Nope. You can't. What about you, Martin?
3: <laughs> well, it, the, the differences lie within the API. They're both APIs, and, and ba- based on what I understand about Carbon, it was really developed when, when, when Next was acquired by Apple, and they knew they were going to go to this, we'll call it OS 10 environment, they, they had to develop a, an API set that would allow them to transition. So... So the best best description that I could give is that Carbon is that is is that it's a robust API environment that allows them to transition into the Cocoa environment, and then the Cocoa environment has a lot of, of uh, services and some other things that are built into it already that don't have to be reprogrammed. That kind of streamlines it a little bit. They're both they're both robust, but that's, that's was,
2: not that's not Carbon
3: bad. Carbon was never intended to be a permanent solution. It was it was it was intended to be a temporary solution as they transitioned
1: to into, import old to, apps.
3: Yeah. yeah okay.
1: Right. Now, right. Is, it was this, is this because it was for it was this for the transition between PowerPC Max and Intel Max, or am I missing something here?
3: Well, I, I think ultimately it was it was it was designed to allow them. You know, to you know, obviously, as you change in processors, it, you, there's going to be some changes mitigated there. But the operating languages underneath, the, the languages underneath with Objective C under Cocoa, and then C, C++, under uh, Carbon. You know, there are some differences in those languages. So these APIs were were designed to enable them either to one, kind of, yeah, to take advantage see, of either one and and kind of port and move over towards Objective C.
1: Okay, now would iTunes department- itself become Sorry. faster? If it was purely a Cocoa application, is is it is it because oh, it's still a Carbon app no, that not is causing some of problems?
2: Not at all. In fact, I'm just reading this O'Reilly comment on this, and it says part of the confusion stems from the way Carbon was positioned as a way to port older apps. And they said, in fact, Carbon Cocoa uses quite a bit of Carbon functionality. The print dialogs, for example, are all Carbon. So even Cocoa has carbon built in, and they also said that carbon is still is still under development. So I don't know one how of the old big, this.
3: Yeah, one of the big differentiators, and I'm sure um, uh, Owen Sammy will Bell. bear this out, is that um, you can't, if I understand it correctly, guy, you can't go into 64-bit under Carbon, and that and they want to ultimately go to 64-bit, and that means a transition to Objective C, and so you know that that's one of the areas they want to they want to ultimately. Um, you know, be in in order to have that extra RAM and all that. But, but you can, you know, carbon can be just as robust as um, cocoa can be. And a matter of fact, I, you know, I use iTunes. I don't really ever experience any of the, of the problems that I know a lot of people do. So, you know, it, it, it still works well, but I think ultimately Apple wants to be 64-bit. That's kind of where they're moving their hardware to. And so, right. you know, there's a cutoff point. Uh, you know where they don't want to be in carbon anymore. So
1: okay. Well, now you have to remember though that part part of their problem, especially with iTunes, is that that it's got such a wide audience. I mean, let's face it: people that use iTunes, the the market for that is so much bigger than the market for the Macintosh because we also have the Windows side of it. So I mean, is it is it time that that Apple kind of g- Pushes people along to say, okay, it's it's time to ditch this old code, even if it alienates some longtime Mac users with older hardware.
3: Well, my perspective would be that ultimately porting iTunes to Cocoa um, to take advantage of the extra bandwidth would be a good thing. But in the meantime, you know the program's running fine for me. So obviously, Apple has made the choice, even within Snow Leopard, to not move over to it yet. So. You know, and it's still working well, but I think it's—I don't think it'll be long before they port it over. And obviously, there's going to be a cutoff point there. You They're know, porting and,
2: almost everything,
3: right? So, yeah, exactly. So it's—it's it's the. A lot last of people
2: thought 10.6 was going to be the end of of carbon, and it wasn't. So,
1: right. Okay. Well, now at the same time, you know, like I was saying before, that Windows users who make up the the bulk of the people that are buying iDevices and the bulk of the people that are using iTunes are complaining even worse about iTunes. I, I, I've heard. Complaints going back to the the days of XP through Vista and even now in Windows Seven, that that iTunes uses a lot of resources that that they're getting you know just basically having a lot of problems with it. Um, is it because that you know the hardware base for Windows is so wide that that Apple isn't doing enough to make a really good Windows client? Wow, I have no idea why they. I don't. I use it in Windows, and I don't find it
2: particularly bad, but it's not as it's not as fast as it is on the Macs. You're right. Well,
3: what, if, what do you I don't know.
2: That's a good question. I don't know what the answer to that is.
3: You know, if I go back and I look at uh, some of the development Apple has done um, in Boot Camp and in other things that require uh, a Windows interface, and they've been really slow to bring things over. You know, uh, if well, if heck, I, I mean,
1: that, Windows Seven came out in October, and they didn't update. Boot camp until what January?
3: Right to, to deal so, with Windows
1: Seven drivers.
3: So clearly they're not they're not as motivated to you know to address the issues that our, the Windows users have. So you know that could be part of it. And I, I, I don't think it's because Apple doesn't want them to use iTunes on the Windows well, side. It's just that I, I would say not on,
1: since they're the they're the biggest market for Apple.
3: Well, <laughs> you know, so they're obviously focusing on on the Mac. Platform development first, but I, they're going to get around to it. They, you know, they they obviously want to use that to ultimately bring people over and, and get them into the iTunes mu- uh, Store because you know they, they make money there. So
1: yeah, okay, um, Mark, if you were in charge of iTunes and in charge of future development for you know content for the various iDevices, would you continue down the path that Apple is taking for iTunes, or would you go in a different direction?
3: Well, I I think I would like to see. A little, I think probably what I would do is I would segment the store um, and maybe move some of the different types of content into separate stores that that could be accessed. And there's so m- when you go into the iTunes really? Store right now, it's it's it, there's so many layers there, and it sometimes can be a little bit unwieldy to get to certain things. So I'd like to see I'd like to simplify the interface a little bit more, and then I would ultimately in, in the in the in the grand scheme of things, if I were the king of the world, and, and I wore a black turtleneck. King of the world! I would probably move a little more quickly towards 64-bit and get that extra bandwidth, because iTunes really is becoming, if it hasn't already, the hub of of the Mac universe in terms of you know content, because clearly Apple's moving towards content and, and the mobile use of content. So that means iTunes, to a large degree, is going to be the center of everything. So I'd like to see it move to a little uh, wider bandwidth.
2: Well what do you think Owen I am wearing a black turtleneck right now <laughs> that's actually very funny um, see now Mark and I seem to be on opposite ends on here i I have always been for unified kind of application development of showing one place to go for everything i I don't like on the iPhone for example that music and video are in different places in fact find it very confusing that I had to go into the music the music application to redeem a coupon to get a free application. I found, I found it confusing, and I think the idea of having everything in one place, and I'd like to see it one place everywhere with a better user interface. I think it needs to be redone. I think it needs to be streamlined is the word I would use. I don't know if simplified is the right word, but... Amen. Maybe streamlined is a better way to put it, Mark, that yeah. there are, that it's easy to tell the difference. I tend to find myself overloaded when I look at the front page of
1: iTunes. So but you find it kind exactly. of hard to, to move from, from one section, like you wanted to go to to audiobooks from right. movies. And, and, and it's it, going to it's get not, worse. It's not obviously, you know, it, it's not intuitive on on you know, what direction it is you want to go no. from just a quick
2: And glance. I would like to see easier, I like to see better searching. When I search for an app, I search for something, I want to only search in applications. I want that to be a pop-up that easily gets me to just search apps now, or maybe it's a button, or maybe I go to the <laughs> app store. And when I'm in the app store part and I search for, you know, um, I search for something like Grey's Anatomy. I'm looking for the Grey's Anatomy app. I'm not looking for the Grey's Anatomy video or the Grey's Anatomy soundtrack. Please don't give them to me. Right? Don't show them to me. I find that a little overwhelming. So I would simplify and streamline the interface when I'm in the departments. Much like, much like Amazon does. I think is a perfect, perfect example of it. When I search in videos, I get videos. I don't get books. And when they add books and they add other types of media, it's going to get more difficult to navigate it all. So I would like to see it compartmentalized, but I think it should all be in one app, both on the iPhone and on the Mac and the PC.
1: I want it all in one place. So under each one of the the different aspects of the iTunes store, you'd like to see an individual search window as compared to the all-in-one search window that they currently are using.
2: Well, I think what happens is even when I'm in music, if I search while I'm looking at music… I get video and I get books and I get applications.
1: Yeah, well, and because I, 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 that's I get because be, of the way that that the uh, you know the the search is set up in iTunes, it, it's basically an all in one search. If you're looking for right. If you're looking for the Rolling Stones, okay, well that could Which be is, music, that could be videos, that could be concerts, that could be books, it could be almost anything, and that should be there. That right.
2: should, there should there should be an all-in-one. Uh, like I said, go back to the way Amazon does it. When you search Amazon, you can say all departments, but I can also say just search in music, just search in videos, just search in books, and I, I think iTunes is missing that. compartmentalizing, what? let me go look what I'm looking for, not for everything. I was trying to find an app the other day on the iTunes store, you know, on on the store and it kept getting buried under music and books and stuff of similar names.
1: And I didn't see it. So, um, now, you know, obviously other than books, we're going to start seeing newspapers and we're going to start seeing magazines. uh, Especially especially for the iPad. Now, the the problem with, with those two versions of uh media to be consumed the iphone and the ipod touch were were really really too small you know you can pinch and zoom all you want but if you're constantly having to you know move your magic finger all around just to to read a paragraph that that's that's not a good experience now the, the ipad was, it. <laughs> it will yeah yeah the ipad is going to kind of end that because it's going to have a bigger screen but now we're talking about adding even more things into itunes so are, are you thinking that You know, maybe it's time for Apple to start lumping some of the various types of content, like all audio content, including, you know, books, you know, audio books and music into one category and all video into one category, whether it's movies and TV, um, all printed categories into one. So it would help to kind of streamline the store or are you talking about something else?
2: Me, I, I think each one's a category. I mean, so right now at the top says music, movies, TV shows, App Store, podcast, audiobooks, iTunes. You, and underneath those, there's little drop downs that give you, um, they give you sections in that area. And I so add me one that says new pa- newspapers, magazines. I I don't see a okay, problem but, with but that at all.
1: It, but isn't this isn't this just just adding to the overall confusion of the iTunes music store? And if you're looking for audio content. Couldn't they just have a, a single button that says audio? And then when you go to there, you've got a drop-down list of, okay, here's the different types of audio content that we offer on well, iTunes. Mm-hmm. Same thing that's with an interface
2: video. Question. That's an interface question that's, that testing will bring out, whether or not you want less choices. We found in, in Interactive TV, and we did it, that, um, that presenting less choices at the beginning makes people more comfortable with the interface. However, some people get upset with it; they have to make four clicks instead of two to get to where they want to go. And so right now, the way it is, you can just do a global search and you can find what you want. That gets you there. But, right, you can click on movies now if you want. And it takes you into the movie store. It sort of works like that now. I
1: just think it needs to be a bit more compartmentalized. Okay, Mark, I'm going to yeah. give you the last word on
3: this. Okay. So, obviously, Apple has carried the, the spotlight paradigm all the way through. And, and that's really, if you, if you kind of summarize what they're doing in iTunes, that's well, really what they're doing. not just
1: in iTunes, but also in the Finder
3: exactly so so and that's okay i mean we like to have those universal searches but the problem is is it it's so convoluted in in the in iTunes right now i just like to see it i think we're all kind of whittling on the same stick which is that we need to kind of have a segmenting of specific you know heads of, of certain types of media so that we can and they they try to do that a little bit now but it just seems like it kind of gets lost in the uh, lost in, in, in the shuffle and Yeah, lost in the current structure. I'd like to see them do a complete reworking of iTunes you know, from the ground up and, and, and kind of change that paradigm a little bit and maybe move away a little bit from the spotlight, you know, all things collide together search into something that gets us a little bit more specific so we can find things a little quicker. If they could do that, I think it would – because there's, so there's so much content there. And it's only going to get more convoluted. So we, we need to kind of clear it out, maybe compartmentalize it a little bit. Um, but something needs to change so that we can, we can get to what we're looking at, as Owen was saying, in fewer clicks.
2: Okay. There's one thing I'd like to add, though, and uh, that's outside the you're store. Though. Me, Owen. Go ahead. Outside the store, iTunes as an application needs a lot of work. And one of the things that drives me the craziest with iTunes is the duplication and handling of music and where it puts stuff. I, I find myself spending way too much time going. Oh, that machine! That song is on this machine, but it's not on that machine. But it's on that machine, but it's got a different name. They really need a better way of handling your local content as well. I'll leave it at that.
1: Okay, um, I think this is this is about where we're going to end the podcast. Coming up uh, next week. Now, one one of the things that that David and I had wanted to start back up, but didn't really get the chance. Was we wanted to start the the listener invites back up again. I think uh, those were some of the most interesting shows we had, where we were able to bring in just ordinary Mac users, and you know bring them on the show, get their perspective. Now all you know the the three of us are have been have been associated with with MyMac dot com for a very long time. And you know we we could become a little insular if we don't kind of expand our, our expand our circle of friends. Sure. So you know that that's something that uh, that we want to get back to on the show. So if you're interested in coming onto the MyMac.com podcast, and you know, I mean, and what basically what you're hearing now is the way that the show typically flows. It, it's it's a to and to and fro of, of different ideas. Um, we never really know exactly where topics are going to take us. You know, we're not really a news podcast. We don't focus that much on the news. So we want people with different perspectives. We want to find out how you use your Macs. We, we just want to talk to you. So if you're interested in coming onto the show as a listener invite, please email us at feedback at dot And of course we can all be reached through various means. Uh, Mark, what is your uh, Twitter handle?
3: uh my mac mark 08 you can reach me at that okay what about you Owen?
1: Uh, you know i don't know my
2: twitter handle Isn't
1: that oh, terrible oh that's is ter- you must have known <laughs> that's where i was going and you oh. I must,
2: it's o it's o rubin o r u b i n i think <laughs> i think if you go to o rubin o r u b i n at just about any email address it probably gets to me cuz it in one way, one way or point, another one point we had a contest to see who could get the most email addresses with their name long way back. And so I have that at I think the only place I don't have it is, a, is at MSN. Because yeah. it was gone already. But o, uh ORuben at AOL.com. Oh oh actually I think that works and so does O and R at AOL.com. <laughs> I, I have my real name because I was like the twelfth AOL guy because I was there. So,
1: and uh, I I can be found at uh, at Twitter slash Mac Parrot. And I'd like to thank you all for joining us this this evening, and I hope you'll join us the next time. Not sure who I'll be talking to. You know, we're going to mix this up quite a bit, and we'll see you next time. Good night, everyone.
0: And thank you for listening to the MyMac.com podcast. Please send all feedback to podcast at MyMac.com. Be sure to check out our other shows, including Geekiest Show Ever, my photo tech podcast your own victory garden and sam's cool Picks. all available in itunes